0: Comment and share. All right, go for it. Good morning, everyone. It's the one and only V The Gorilla Economist coming to you live with my main man, El Cuco. Uh-huh. we are bringing the news, the views, and all the information important to you. Check us out, roguemoney.net. Follow us on Twitter at the Rogue Money, Rogue Money on Facebook, DTube, Steam Hit, every single podcasting app known to humanity, as well as Apple News. And Apple, iTunes, wherever you want us to be. Check out our sponsors, whether you need some asset protection over at remaincom.net, remaincom.net. Don't freak out, Remain calm. If the debt collectors are knocking on your door and threatening your life, threatening to hold your firstborn as hostage, then you need to call remaincom.net. They are the financial A team. But no one can help you. If you can find them, maybe you can hire remaincom. And these guys will come there they'll kick down the they'll kick down the door waving the four four and uh you know fix your debt and collections issues with real quickness lickety split lickety split the whole thing you gotta understand is don't freak out don't freak out folks it's all a game remember remember that debt credit is all a game it ain't real and uh when you start the process with remain calm you figure that out real quick also Excited, very excited. Platform is going to be launching today at some point. We're going to do a show on it at some point today. I'm trying to get everything done and out uh, and have this bad boy launched. The uh, platform is going to be amazing. And, uh, and, you know, it's going to be brought to you by all of us over at Rogue Money, the the entire team at Rogue Coin, which is launching as well, and uh, the Crypto School. So this is an amazing project. Uh, I was breaking my brain over this for several, several months. How to bring liquidity. How to bring liquidity into the market, CJ, as Bain would say. Yes, yes, yes. And um, I cracked the code, Siege. I cracked the code. How did I crack the code? I grinded myself through the code, brother. That's what I did. I cracked the code. I'm able to provide... Full-blown liquidity to the crypto market. So if you're locked up in an exchange somewhere, you're like, "Wow, I have ten million dollars in Bitcoin. How do I get it out? Hmm. How do I get it out without reporting to every single jurisdiction on planet Earth and report everything and uh, and have at least forty percent?" Did you know this? I don't know if you know this, bro, but Coinbase has a variable rate that they charge you. Did you know that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. They can charge you up to ten percent. To either move your funds around or get your funds out, depending on the amount, right? right? And then that becomes what else? A taxable event, right? So I was looking at the IRS tax laws, right? I was looking at what the what's the maximum they can get you for, okay? Dude, are you, are you sitting down? Are you bracing yourself for this one? Go for it. 39.6%. <laughs> That's on the top tier when you got over six figures in crypto, which a lot of people do, bro. A lot of people do, okay? It, it's uh, that's just a ridiculous amount. So now there's a way we provide liquidity, You circumventing all of this legally, a hundred percent legit. We had all the legal attorneys and all the uh, the regulators take a look at this, and they're like, "Holy shit, uh, good job, good job." So yeah, we're able. We're um, I'm excited. I'm excited. So cross your fingers that bad boy's coming out today. Uh, it's gonna be exclusive to the members of the Watches trade room, uh, but also anybody else that wants to join on board and uh, take a look at it. With that out of the way, check out also the thecryptoschool.io, thecryptoschool.io, uh, whether you want to learn about cryptos and uh, be involved in probably the greatest decentralization revolution that is happening in human history, or you are proficient in cryptos and you want to learn how to trade and make some money because you understand that holding and doing only holding is no strategy. And anybody who says... You know, there's no way you can trade in this market. It's not a trader. It's not a trader. My guys do this all day, every day. Z and Cowboy are here to stay. These guys are killing it in the bear market, in the blood market where everybody else is running and hiding. These guys have returned documented, documented, documented to date. With all the screenshots, with all, the score, all the calls are all documented. Um, yeah, every single call is documented. Every single trade call is documented. So these guys have returned over 800%. take that take that take that take that take that can't stop a little little Diddy there, you know (laughs) Right with that being said sage We actually have might have some good news this morning, bro, right?
1: Yeah, it's 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 a good day So uh, uh, good morning to UV and to all of our our listeners and looking in the uh, the chat room right now in YouTube So want to welcome all of our listeners. Thank you for tuning in it uh, looks like uh, London Paul is in the house as well so uh, Paul thank you for joining and then also James James the Russian analyst is joining us this morning so welcome James
2: Good morning gentlemen didn't know we'd have London Paul on with us so that's well, a well that's he's, a he's alive, in the chat man. room he's in the chat room yeah
0: he's he's, in a, he's, uh, he's he was vacationing in Rus Russia
2: That's right i hear uh, i hear he's enjoying the beautiful weather in uh if I can say it on the air, St. Petersburg.
0: Oh, what a beautiful city that is.
2: Petrograd. Petrograd. Yeah. But yeah,
0: so very
1: exciting news and potentially will lead to some uh, prosecutions that, that dropped overnight. So yeah, I'm very excited about that information.
0: Absolutely. James, did you get a chance to uh, see this? This I don't, I don't know if you're uh, aware. Um, the inspector general finds the FBI and the DOJ broke the law. And there yes. was. Yeah, and there was. I saw that re- and I saw
2: Joseph DiGenova, the. Um, the attorney who was consulted, or was going to become the president's attorney, but decided it was better for him to just to do the cable news circuit, yeah, uh, announcing that uh, Riyadh Ibn Saud uh, John Brennan ought to get himself a good lawyer, criminal defense lawyer, pronto.
0: Oh man!
2: At least oh, that's man. what I call him, Riyadh John.
0: I like I like Riyadh John. I, I like call him uh, Jihad John as well. Jihad John Brennan. Uh, he, he is a. Uh, He's a lover of all things Islamic and fundamentalist. <laughs>
2: so that's anyway. very good news. That uh, hopefully we can finally we, you know, and, and again I'm I'm agnostic on the whole Q thing, but uh, yeah, me too. I, uh, but uh, it, it's about damn time to see some swamp draining start. <sighs>
0: Yeah, this is huge, man. It's, uh, you know, uh, here it is. For our, our guys over at Zero just posted this as a reporter earlier Thursday, a long-awaited uh, report by the Department of Justice internal watchdog into Hillary Clinton. Email investigation has moved into its final phase. Uh, as the DOJ uh, notified multiple subjects mentioned in the document that they can privately review, by it, uh, review it by week's end, and we'll have a few days to craft any responses to criticism contained within the report, according to the Wall Street Journal. Those invited to review the report were told that they would have to sign non disclosure agreements in order to read it. People familiar with the matter said that they are expected to have a few days to craft a response to any criticism in the report, which will be then incorporated into the final version to be released. And we had uh, Paul Sperry, one of the guys over on Twitter. I think he's a Paul's reporter, if I'm not mistaken. Breaking IGR for
2: Investor Business Daily. There
0: you go. That's who he is. So uh, breaking, I.G. Horowitz has found reasonable grounds for believing that there's a violation of federal criminal law in the FBI DOJ's handling of the Clinton investigation. and has referred his findings to a potential criminal misconduct to Huber, and he was Huber. Uh, that is the uh, former attorney general from Utah. It's pretty interesting. He is also, and where did uh, Uranium One start? Utah. Is there a possible connection? Will we see some sort of link here between the, Kim, uh, the the Clinton emails and the whole Uranium One deal? It is very, very possible. What say you, James, and CJ? Go for it, James.
2: Yeah, um, regarding the Uranium One thing, I mean, I... I'm okay, that's good, James. It's my turn.
1: No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead, James. <laughs> Go ahead, James. <laughs> Nothing. Go for it, James.
2: No, I, I'm not up to speed on all the latest stuff with the Uranium One, but I, I could tell you that... Um, uh, one thing that I found interesting is that uh, the European Union uh, was making noises, uh, Juncker in particular, that they could actually try to engage in some sort of uh, criminal actions, or at least that they would, they would create a uh, provision in the EU law that would allow uh, companies to, to sue the United States Department of Treasury. Uh, over sanctions related to Iran and, and their losses. And that's interesting because you're seeing a legal effort in the Russian Duma. this week they're trying to pass legislation that would make it uh, basically a crime to advocate sanctions for a Russian citizen under Russian jurisdiction to advocate uh, for. US. to impose sanctions on Russian citizens or corporations or, or legal entities. So I found that the sort of the parallels between what's going on with the U. And, and, and what's going on on the Russian side to be very interesting. And how that relates to what's happening uh, with the swamp draining domestically. Well, you know, we have uh, – we saw – I don't know if you guys saw the news that uh, Sergei Skripal, the former uh, GRU, uh, Russian military intelligence officer, was released from the hospital oh, in the wow. U.K. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and his daughter, Yulia, has been out of the hospital for weeks. And she was basically uh, silenced. I mean, she she was calling her cousin, Victoria, in Moscow because uh, her cousins and family members were sincerely concerned. They hadn't heard anything from her. And uh, they were inquiring about the status of her dog and, you know, know, what's the deal with her boyfriend. And, you know, she's got an apartment. She's got a car, I think, in Russia and all this stuff that, you know, they don't legally is in limbo. They don't have her power of attorney to do anything about it and and formally adopt her dog or 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 do something with the apartment like even rent it out I'm not sure if they can do that under Russian law without her express written consent so basically um how that relates to what we're seeing with the domestic swamp draining is that we know that there was this British operation with uh Christopher Steele and Orbis Business Intelligence we know that uh Sir Skripal's handler uh worked for uh Steele uh, with that's was, Pablo Miller, right? Yes, Pablo Miller. Thank you. For the weird name, name yes, Pablo bro. Miller. Yeah, weird name for an Englishman, a Spanish Pablo name, But was living in Salisbury. Uh, that's probably why Sergey settled there because he, that uh, Pablo Miller was his MI6 handler before uh, he left the service, Her Majesty's Secret Service, to go into private business with steel and Orbis Business Intelligence. So. Uh, the question is, uh, you know, regarding motive, was Steele, I'm sorry, was uh, Skripal poisoned as a warning to him uh, not to talk about what he knew regarding the dossier? Was Sergei, in fact, the one who was calling people in Russia on behalf of uh, Mr. Steele and, and his handler, Pablo Miller, to discuss things? And was, uh, you know, as, as has been reported in the Russian media, did Sergei get cold feet and decide he wanted to come clean about yeah. his role in the dossier? And that led to the sudden urgency of silencing him.
1: Very interesting.
2: And we also have, and, and just to tie up that thread, we, we also have, um, you know, I think Laura Ingraham's mentioned it on Fox News that uh, Stefan Halper, the professor, uh, who's an American citizen, but he he lives in Great Britain. I believe he has residency there, if not dual citizenship, uh, for many years and is a reputed CIA and MI6 asset. You have... Uh, him potentially being outed as the source who had met with George Papadopoulos and with Carter Page, if I'm not mistaken, uh, to basically push uh, on them the claims that the Russians have Hillary's emails and, you know, you guys should really go after that and try to get those emails and, and basically engage in this provocateuring to try to create connections to, the, to hacking by Russians. Even before, by the way, this was before the uh, reports came out publicly, alleging that uh, the GRU or some Russian hacking group's Fancy Bear, Cozy Bear, whatever they're called, had hacked the DNC. So to keep that term, that chronology in mind, that they're already out there pushing these theories to Trump aides before it even becomes public that there's been an alleged breach has occurred. So that tells me somebody wanted to they already wanted to create this frame either because they knew that the DNC emails had already leaked or that this was a premeditated plot. In any case.
1: Yeah. You know, in, in regards to the, the news that's breaking, it's, it's very interesting. And I, and I do want to remain optimistic about it. You know, I think that the, the DOJ and uh, the, the inspector general, I don't know where they've been the last, you know, year, year and a half, but I think that in regards to the email scandal, Um, I'm hoping that's just not, you know, recycled news. Uh, Specifically, like when you take a look at, for example, uh, in regards to contrast what has happened with the email investigation, contrast that in regards to what has happened uh, with Mueller, special prosecutor, the speed uh, that he was able to uh, obtain a search warrant for uh, Trump's records from uh, from Trump's attorney Cohn you know right. it instantly went to a prosecutor search warrant FBI's there boom they're they're done look at the speed at that versus uh, of that. what has happened with sessions where now uh, this uh, uh, this prosecutor from Utah who was appointed by Obama um, back in the day uh, so that kind of throws up a flag to me okay Obama appointed him uh, this particular uh uh, Jeff Sessions, who asked Huber to join in this investigation, uh, he stayed aboard. He offered, uh, John Huber offered his resignation to Trump at the time at the end of his term. So why would he offer his resignation to Trump versus, hey, I really want to work for you, really, would really want to stay in position, may just be protocol, right? right. Uh, he was influenced by Jeff Sessions, Trump was influenced by Jeff Sessions to go ahead and to re-nominate him for his his appointment so so there are a few things that i'm like looking at this saying okay well let's 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 see where this goes let's let's use this optimism that things are happening but again contrast that with what could have happened if another special uh, prosecutor a special investigator was assigned and and let's face it you know this whole email thing that's you know that's just kind of the the tip of the iceberg that's just the tip of the information of the amount of criminality So if we're just now getting to the email portion of it, how much longer is it going to take to the unwarranted surveillance of of Trump? The unwarranted of using uh, the uh, the CIA uh, to to, uh, you know, warrant to to, to actually advise and issue FISA's the criminality. So so I'm hoping I'm optimistic. I mean, it it is what it is. Right. Um, So 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 I would say go somewhere.
2: Yeah, CJ, I would say that speed is not everything as far as Mueller's approach. I mean, look at look at what's happened with the debacle with his uh, indictment of the so-called 17 Russians. You know, Concord management, uh, this restaurant company supposedly run by Yevgeny Prigozhin, who's a oligarch, a minigarch in Russia who's got ties to defense ministry, uh, running the cafeterias and, and branched out into school cafeteria contracts. Um you know, with, with a lot of the parents were complaining about the quality of food. I mean, you know, and who was supposedly, supposedly also the mastermind behind uh, Wagner, this uh, private military company that allegedly exists. I, I don't think it really exists in Russia To uh, that sent the mercenaries to Syria who got killed in the, the airstrikes back on February 6th or 7th of this year. I mean, their Muir's people clearly were arrogant. They didn't expect Prigozhin's people or whoever is behind these entities to hire actual attorneys in dc to contest his case they thought they'd never get a day in court and it would just be a, a rollover but now they're actually having to produce evidence and discovery for defense counsel to prove that uh, Prigozhin or his companies were behind this troll farm in st petersburg i mean there are people like Scott, who's the editor at the Saker blog, who, who believed that even the troll farm is a fabrication. It's just an elaborate hoax. And these trolls existed in some other country or jurisdiction or, you know, the, it's a Ukrainian false flag. But I, I don't su- I'm not sure about that. I think the troll farm is real. But I think that what it was was some kind of basically a giant clickbait scheme, similar to what people were running out of uh, Macedonia, federal Yugoslav Republic, former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia and other countries and that there's really no there's no solid evidence that these groups uh, these, these trolls had nearly as much influence as, as they've been touted to have I mean the, the numbers have just been grossly inflated as far as impressions based on hypothetical Facebook figures that have no relationship whatsoever to, with reality as far as how many people actually clicked on this material or saw it
0: yeah absolutely correct next thing gentlemen uh, let's see what do you want to tackle over here? Let's say, uh, hmm, we got some good stuff here. What about this one? This is from uh the the guys over at Russian Insider. America spends. It's one of my favorite uh, topics here. Is the uh, the the military incompetent complex? Uh, America spends about one trillion. This is actually from David Stockman. America spends one trillion on its military every year and has no way to pay for it, and um. James, what's your take on that, man? I mean, the military incompetent complex—that it's really not about winning wars or, or, or creating the most effective fighting uh, team or equipment or platform. It is just—it's a, a wealth extraction scheme, and I think that's what people don't understand about the military incompetent complex and how it has morphed since Eisenhower left office.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's clear that. If if the United States is outspending Russia, if you believe the official figure, something like seven, and probably that's even allowing for purchasing power parity in real terms, probably, uh, I mean, in in just dollar terms, it's more like nine to one, because the Russians just cut their defense budget by, I think, almost 20% uh, as they're winding down some of the operations in Syria, that uh, it's clear that the US is, if the US has fallen behind the Russians in air defense systems, in anti-tank weaponry, in armor protection, active protection systems, in electronic warfare. And these are just the areas that we know about that are more or less publicly admitted if you read the, the literature in, in publications like Defense One, National Interest, etc. I mean, if the U.S. has fallen this badly behind, then, and, and including the anti-ship missile technology and the hypersonic glide yes. vehicles, then you have to ask yourself, uh, how is that possible? If we're outspending the Russians again nine to one in dollar terms and probably seven to one in purchasing power parity terms, accounting for the difference in you know U.S. and Russian servicemen salaries, I mean right. it, it's, it's, it's it's in benefits it's absurd. But when you think about it, that that that's only possible if our military in, incompetent complex is, as V says has grown extremely corrupt and, and bloated. I mean, yeah. or or we just we're completely. If you believe the the Reader's Digest, uh, uh, you know dumbed down version we're just asleep at the switch because we were doing all this uh, stuff in the sandbox in the middle east and dealing with insurgents with ak's and we forgot about the awesome you know russian and chinese threat quote unquote so you know i mean i think i think the story kind of speaks for itself you have w you know i know he was recently on the program saying that a lot of the corruption and graft that's been in the defense industrial base is going to be cleaned out along with the rest of the swamp but you know, we're, we're those far, we're not really seeing that. We're just seeing a no. lot of money thrown at various systems by the Trump administration. I mean, th- maybe we're, we're, there's some modest progress in terms of counter drone equipment and, uh, you know, artillery systems and things like that. Uh, but so far, I'm not really seeing it in terms of actual hmm. deployed uh, hardware yet.
0: That's what I'm saying, man. If they, if they hadn't, if, the, if the military incompetent complex was about creating effective weapon systems, not marketing hype and hoopla. You, you wouldn't be, you would scrap the F-35 and revert uh, funds to improving and making different variations of the F-22. That's a smart move to do, you know, but they're not doing that. They're they're pushing forward with the F-35 and they're marketing everybody saying, hey, this is the greatest fighter plane in the world. They're forcing it down the throats of allied nations. And when the allied nations stand up and say, hey, you know what? Okay, you're playing so great. Can we test your F-35 against our aircraft? Oh, no, 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 no. You can't test it. You can't test it. You just have to buy it. But we don't want it. We want to te- no, 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 no testing, no testing. Just, just buy it and believe our hype that we're selling you. That's in essence what these F thirty five sales are going, be, going to be like. And when I see stuff like that, when I see the fact that you know they have no real answer in armor, they have no real answer in fieldable actual, te- you know, actual weapon systems, and they're doing all of this with you know going broke. Literally, it's IOUs. And there's a point, folks where the IOUs eventually run out. I mean, it's ridiculous. We're almost at a, a trillion dollars in, in, in defense spending, a trillion dollars. It's disgusting, man.
2: And I, I made this point in a recent article too. That there's also just the good enough factor. I mean, yeah, you know, during World War II, the U.S. didn't have the best tanks, and, and the, the Germans oh, and the Russians had, but it didn't matter because uh, that the Germans had could build this unseemingly unstoppable behemoth of a tank because they were already losing the war by that point, and right. and they didn't have the the industrial base that the Soviets and Americans had. But my point is you know, this is what's lost in all these debates is that people pat themselves on the back and they feel good. We've got the best system or that. Or look, look how the Israelis took out this Russian-made Panzer system when, you know, the ammunition had run out and the crew wasn't even engaged or trying to, to move it, which they probably should have been uh, because they weren't properly trained on it, and it with sufficient amount of time to yeah. have another Panzer covering for them. And it's like, yeah, okay, people can beat the drum and feel good about themselves doing that. But the reality is uh, of the situation is that, you know, it doesn't take that much disruption. Warfare is not just about how much pain you can dole out. It's also about how much pain you can take. And when you're a society like Israel, a small country, and you're right there, Syria's right there, they've taken, you know, half a million dead in losses, 150,000 of those, you know, soldiers. And your, your casualty threshold is maybe a dozen or two dozen guys before you know your you people are screaming for a ceasefire. Right. It doesn't take a genius to a military genius to figure out that a system does not have to be that sophisticated to to inflict enough pain on your guys where you have to stop doing right. what you're doing and 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 have an armistice or a ceasefire. So
1: yeah, and V, I think it's I think it's a strategy. I think this is a strategy that uh, you know Russia is deploying, where they continuously talk about you know in the U.S. military hardware. If you think back to when we dumped you know, backing our currency, our note with gold, what do we start backing it by? The, the US military or our military mm-hmm. spending. And so in essence, the dollar is 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 backed mm-hmm. by the US military and we utilize that as, as influence, you know, geopolitically, uh, you know, hey, we'll protect you, hey, we'll sell you weapons, we'll do all these things for you. So this is a strategic move to, for Russia to get the consensus now that people are understanding how broke the dollar is just saying, now, wait a minute, you need to understand that that security that you think that you're going to get from a one-time dominant U.S. military, it's fabricated. It's not real. So this will help right. shift. That's the what it's really about. It's, so this it's will about
2: help comp- competition. Yeah.
1: So it will help shift the course of influence outside, and that's why Russia is beginning to sell more weapons to other countries because of you know their their superior hardware. And uh, so yeah, so this is this is spot on. And uh, for too long. Uh, the dollar, but but they have to. That's why they keep spending this much money. Is because they, they hopefully that with the spending of that much on the military, it's going to buy influence. It's going to continue to protect uh, the dollar. But uh, you know, geopolitically is ob- obviously failing.
2: Oh, yeah, happy. it's it's a false mental model. I think it's based on their. Also, CG on their interpretation of what happened in the nineteen eighties, which is an oversimplification of what really happened and, and why the Soviet Union collapses. They feel like, well, if we can just ramp up the military-industrial complex spending again, that'll create jobs. It's basically war Keynesianism is what it is, but without, you know, a, a big shooting war, but just the, the military buildup, is this idea that we'll get the Russians to cry uncle and and the Chinese will respect us again if if we just rearm. And I think it's it's a gross oversimplification of Of what really happened you know 30 years ago w has gone into great detail explaining some of the aspects of but ultimately it it boils down to uh do people have confidence and faith in their their leaders and in their future and i think china has that in spades right now russia is trying to develop it and you have you know uh, i mean look look at how divided things are and polarized things are regarding trump in this country it's it's just very hard to envision us, you know, Trump getting the kind of uh, consensus that, that Reagan had back in that time and, and the bipartisanship that existed when our political system is so broken.
0: Yeah, absolutely correct, man. One thousand percent. Switching gears domestically, gentlemen, uh, we are talking about right here, the uh, Trump gives Merkel an ultimatum, a drop Russian gas pipelines or a trade war. <laughs> Uh, how we how we are quickly and rapidly pushing the Germans into the arms of the Russians and the Chinese. It's uh, uh, unreal, unreal. Uh, CJ James, go ahead, guys. What's your take? James, go ahead. I find it laughable. I really uh, do.
1: I, I, I'm finding yeah, it I, mean, to I laugh want to hear what James is going to say. <laughs> uh, you know, um, you know. Imagine, imagine uh, V that. Imagine V that you're you're paying five hundred bucks a month for your home internet and I want to break it down, put it in, in, in how it applies to us. So we're paying $500 for our internet. And we're like, God, this is just crazy expensive. I'm not going to yeah. do that. Um, you know what, uh, Comcast is offering 150 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Comcast. And then all of a sudden your homeowners association drops in and says, no, you're not going to do that. Because if you do that, you're going <laughs> to, we're going to, we're going to put signs on your door. I mean, it's just, I, uh, you know, again, it's exactly what you said. V. It's just pushing, you know germany who has probably the most influence in in the eu uh towards you know pivoting more and more towards uh russia and uh, is is it is it by design is it more 3 or 4 d chess I, I i don't know i'm i'm struggling to understand it but go ahead
2: james. <laughs> james james yeah i mean it's merkel's meeting with putin today in sochi and We've talked. We were just talking about this before. It's it's the same idea that whether you're squeezing your allies to buy more of your your crappy weapons that are ridiculously overpriced, or you're squeezing their <laughs> core interests. In this case, Germany's interest in you know affordable energy. Right. Uh, you're you're alienating friends and losing influence fast. And I think <laughs> yeah. that you know as far as the political dynamics go, I mean, we know there's some bad blood between Merkel's people and Trump's people that goes back to before the election when you had. Uh, Trump advisors talking about maybe, you know, we need to put some pressure on the EU and maybe even consider breaking a breakup. The EU wouldn't be such a bad thing after Brexit. And, and, you know, I I forget the guy's name. He was making the rounds on all the British shows and shocking people by saying, you know, maybe the U S under Trump won't support the EU like Obama and all the previous administrations were supportive of it. I mean, look at, look at what the EU's done with Greece and, you know, he made a lot of valid points, but obviously that's cutting into Germany's core area of influence and, and, uh, over over all these countries around it that they've used the EU as a vehicle for. And there was a column by uh, Ross Dutat of the New York Times, who's kind of their token in-house conservative, saying, you know, maybe Germany has become too big and dominant for, for its own good in Europe. And, you know, obviously that's not something he wrote because the Trump people told him to write it. But it, is, it does show that the, the relationship overall is frayed because the interests are no longer so well aligned uh, namely, this old British-inspired idea that the job of NATO is to keep the Russians out and the Germans down, uh, like the first NATO general secretary, Lord Hastings Ismay, said after World War II. But that's that's not working. I mean, the Germans don't want to be kept down, and and they don't want you know the Russians don't want to be kept out of Europe because Europe is their natural market, and they still consider themselves to be Europeans, even though it's obvious that you know their their trade volume with China is growing by leaps and bounds every year and that Asia is the future. Hey, James, real quick, real
1: quick, James, because I know that, you know, you really follow this quite a bit, but this also has a lot to do with the Ukraine as well, correct?
2: Yes, absolutely. Because Nord Stream 2, the the whole point, uh, the the criticism of Nord Stream 2 is that it's completely unnecessary. I think the, the U.S. envoy to Ukraine, Kurt Volker, who was a former aide to McCain at the McCain Institute, said that it's completely unnecessary as a commercial project, that it's a political project. Well, you're damn right it's a political project. Uh, the Germans don't want to be dependent on Ukrainian transit for gas. They, they want to be able to just bypass Ukraine altogether. And of course that would eliminate hundreds of hundreds of millions of dollars every year in transit fees for Kiev, but it also would remove the leverage that uh, the Ukrainians have over the Germans that keeps them uh, subsidizing that government that's been propped up by us and EU and IMF uh, loans and aid. So uh, yeah, it, it is political because they they don't need the extra capacity right now, but they might need it in the future. And that's the whole point, because uh, not only is the the gas flow from the North Sea fields declining from the Dutch and British fields there, but also, uh, you know, it, it just gives them all the leverage on their side. And it removes a point of leverage for the countries in between Germany and Russia by allowing them to to do business directly and under you, the, the know Baltic sea.
1: And you know what's interesting—the timing of this as well, with this coming out—because who just recently uh, visited with uh, Trump two days ago? Who? Uh, The UN, uh, the United Nations uh, military. What? The general, I forgot his name. Darn it! Secretary General. I'm sorry, NATO. NATO. Oh, NATO NATO. NATO Secretary General. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, who I
2: don't even know who who that is. I don't know. Uh, I, 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 I remember I, it, was a, it was who a keeps track of that. Uh, Favre, <laughs> or whatever his name, who who took a job as an advisor to Poroshenko, the president of Ukraine, after he left that job, and I don't even know who the new secretary general is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who cares? Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's like the uh, NATO defense ministers and all these NATO countries—they're all women.
2: <laughs> yes
0: oh my god i love it anyway switching gears to some domestic stuff real quick uh what do you want to tackle you want to talk about sessions and uh the police state under sessions man reports police visitation after posting pictures of morel mushrooms on facebook bro this is so stupid yeah this is
1: unfortunately this is the the police state this is where we have arrived and and i'm not saying that that there's you know Bad. All police are bad. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that, you know, this is where we have arrived as a society. And this is this this is hilarious. Yeah. So so uh, so this guy, I'm going to bring up the article right here. So this comes to us from Truth in Media, which is Ben Swan's, uh, you know, new project. Uh, Very interesting. So man reports police visitation after posting pictures more morel mushrooms on Facebook. Man named John Garrison posted a public photo on Facebook showing morel mushrooms he had gathered while for 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 foraging. With his girlfriend Hope Deary, and wrote of his plans to saute them with brown sugar and cinnamon. Oh, and oh how that it must out. be the
0: euphemism for a type oh, of drug. It
1: man. it it has to be it's code. It's code.
0: Brown sugar must be cocaine.
1: Garrison <laughs> wanted claim- means
0: to splice them up.
1: <laughs> Garrison went on to claim that his original Facebook post about moral Mushrooms, which are legal and sought after delicacy, led to a visit to his home. Hours later, from law enforcement, apparently investigating possible use of psychedelic mushrooms, commonly referred
0: to as magic mushrooms. (laughs) Fucking morons, man. I have no words. I have no words to describe. I mean, what is it like if you have a low IQ these days, they let you be a cop, carry a a badge and a gun. I mean, what the hell is going on here? Well, here's the thing. Like the picture that's posted <laughs> on this
1: article, like the officers looks to me that he's asking for their ID and yep. in, inside their home. Um, you don't have to allow a police officer in your home. You don't have to allow them to to inspect your vehicle. You have the right uh, to say no um, to do that. So, uh, I if a police no, guys, officer, you got
2: to get a warrant. You yeah. If, a warrant.
1: So 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 if a police approach me and knock on the door and say, "Hey, can we come in?" Uh, no, I'm sorry. No, what do you want? We we want to come in. Uh, No, Um, you know, the the for too long, some of the mentality in the in the police uh, forces that they're uh, I don't want to say abuse of authority, but they believe that they are the uh, that they they have been indoctrinated into this type of police state military complex that they get to decide and control society. And I'm not saying this in all. Don't I I want to be real careful because I know that there's. There's good cops as well. But this is the level, uh, this is the level of stupidity in regards to here. the influence. I'm not I'm not blaming Jeff Sessions directly, uh, but what I am saying, this is the level that he has raised it to with his civil asset asset forfeiture, uh, with the uh the the war on drugs, with him meeting with every state attorney general across the US saying that hey, we are gonna revamp the war on drugs, and and this is a potential result of it, V.
0: Oh, man, absolutely, 1,000%. And it's it's very problematic, to say the least. Very problematic. I think that covers all of it, gentlemen.
2: Thank you for an excellent show, guys. Absolutely. Thanks for joining hopefully, us, James. That was a lot so of
0: fun. fun. Yeah, but, and with that being said, folks, we are over and out. We'll probably be uh, on later at some point today with a uh, Rogue Coin show, so
2: stay tuned for that. And we're over and out. Take it away, CJ.